You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Piper Carter podcast. You are listening to Piper Carter and I'm here virtually with my mm-hmm. co-host. What up, Brittany, Deja? What up, though, Piper? Yeah, hey, we're here via Zoom, you know, because um, we're in Michigan and we're currently under a, I'm going to call it a soft lockdown, even though they said it's not a lockdown. I uh, know. It reminds me of that uh, that LL Cool J song. You know when he says, "Don't call it a comeback." It's like, "Don't call it a lockdown, <laughs> but stay <laughs> in the house." <laughs> yeah. So, did you guys see what Matt Stafford's wife said about being under a dictatorship? The quarterback oh, for the Lions. Yeah, we are. Not, it's not a dictatorship. I don't think it is at all, bro. What can you not do? They're just saying like, don't gather in mass they're saying wear your mask they're saying uh what are the other things they're saying they're like okay we want to we just heard the report last week the last episode if y'all go back and listen to episode 90 uh was it 96 yeah um yeah because this one is 97 and we heard from the doctor and she's a black woman. You know, we listen to black women. So we definitely are listening to black women doctors. And I don't know, their prediction is that just for the state of Michigan by February, that there's supposed to be 20,000 new deaths in an entire state. I'm like, man, I do not want to be in that number. I don't know. What do y'all think about that? I don't either. I just think it's just a, it's just a sucky situation because there's lives being affected e- either way. Like the virus is affecting people's everyday life and then the, you know, people's livelihood, you know, there's a lot of people who are out of work. Yeah. The stimulus package still hasn't been approved. The unemployment has stopped. Yeah. So there's like a reality to like the small business sector of course that just sucks but there's like yeah. what can you do when the, most of the small businesses are super spreaders you know what i mean it mm-hmm. just sucks you know i don't think it's a dictatorship though because i mean we have to wear clothes in public like i mean what is the role i mean <laughs> what is the role of government right i mean that that can be argued and discussed but at yeah. the same time it like like we said before, if there's an actual bioweapon that's been released or whatever we want to call it, because I don't care what they say is not natural. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For this many people to have it all at the same time. Yep. And, and then everyone had the same pattern. Okay, because they predicted the pattern. Because remember way back in um June or July when Wuhan 
was uh, putting their pictures up, talking about how they were getting back to normal, but that they was expecting another wave. And then in Europe, they had their second wave. And then, and then now we're in our supposed second wave. And I mean, what, what, I mean, and they was tearing up the streets in Paris and the UK and everywhere about wearing these masks. And I mean, if there's a, if there's a real threat out there, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. I don't know. I just think that there are a lot of things that I feel like can infringe upon my privacy that can infringe upon my like freedom but wearing a mask is not one do i like it of course not like am i like like you know hunky dory like who is but i don't know for me personally i don't understand the mask thing you know i just i really don't but when you say the mask thing you mean the people fighting against the masks yeah you mean wearing a mask no people fighting against it yeah, and the and then in the places where they're fighting against it, their numbers are growing. Yeah. Yeah. Their hospitals are overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the 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 right the right-wing folks, white supremacists, their philosophy is the strong will survive, right? On some Darwinian vibe. And so from Charles Darwin, and so what they're saying is that if the strong are are the white bodied you know men you know their 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 king their god their leader donald trump had it and then look at him right because his whole thing was like look at me i had it and i'm strong and i beat it if he actually really had it or if he did have it he had access to like period exclusive you know medical care that no one has access to you know yeah and so they're what the 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 rhetoric that they're spreading is that the people who get it are the weak ones are the weak humans so it's the elders it's the people with pre-existing conditions you know people with asthma people who um you know, have cancer. And so they're saying that those people need to die off anyway, right? This is what their philosophy is. And they say, yeah, like if you have a strong, you know, if you come from a strong lineage and have a strong constitution and 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 you're healthy, then you'll beat the virus. And like, yeah, so, I mean, this is like the type of misinformation that you know he's putting out there and people you know um another misinformation is they say that um they were saying that the people who had the virus and they beat it they can't spread it that's that's already been debunked um oh i mean that they can't get it again right and that they can't spread it and that's been debunked you know they've already had um lots of different uh examples of people around the world who have had it beat it got it again uh became a um you know a spreader and that's what makes it a weapon right is like how fast it can spread and basically they changed they had to change 
some of the rules, right? That's why they say they don't want people in these enclosed places and they don't want lots of people gathering because um, they realize that now this virus can spread up to like 30 meters. You know, I, ha I actually have some clips around that. Maybe I'll play a different show. But, you know, so they're, they're seeing the spreads in the air. It's an aerosol. And so that's why the mask. And so that's, the you know, the spreads by these droplets. So, you know, um, people are doing That's why they want you to do the social distancing, even at my gym. Um, my gym, you know, I, I have belonged to Fitness Works. And I love that gym, but they closed down. And they moved us to the Y. So... I'll be, you know, a member of the Y, but I haven't been to the gym like since COVID, like since the end of February, last time I yeah. was at the gym. And so they, you know, they was like, okay, well we're closed down, but then they closed down like a week before the gyms were open. And then they were like, oh, well, so now we just got an email that we're going to be at the Y downtown, the Bull Y. So I'm like, okay, cool. But I'm not going to go to the gym until they open the gyms back up. You understand what I'm saying? Like I'm not, even though my gym is open and I, they send an email to month they cleaning and doing social distancing and blase splee, they have a track, they have a pool, they have a basketball gym, they have exercise facilities, they have machines. But, you know, they told me they moved the machines to 12 feet apart instead of six. You have to wear your mask the whole time. If you want to use the pool, you reserve the pool. Um, ahead of time, like 48 hours before you want to use the pool and they have all these stipulations. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm already gearing my mind up. Like, okay, I'm going to be going to the gym when it open the gyms back up. Right. But not mm -hmm. before, but I'm just saying like, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to be like, you know, I mean, on the one hand, yeah, like no one trusts the government, but then on the, on the other hand, like what? are we supposed to do if they've actually released a bioweapon and it's actually killing people and people are actually getting sick? I don't know. What, like, what are we supposed to do? What we, what we're doing now, just chill out. I mean, we knew a second wave was coming. So, I mean, there are places, I don't even know what Georgia's rate is, but I mean, it seems like they had their second wave and they're kind of coming out of the water. I think Essentially, everything will be okay. Um, but I think, um, you know, the vaccine, the vaccine will really, I think the vaccine and the presidential election will be the determining factor of how the coronavirus, coronavirus fades in and out. But I don't really, I don't know. We talk about this a lot. I don't know if you guys want to move on. I feel bad. Like, <laughs> we're always talking about the virus in some way. I mean, Corona is a big part of everyone's life, so it's, it's sure. hard to ignore. But I don't know, Deja, are you going to run and get the vaccine? Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> if no. I'm forced to, then I mean, you know, F my life, but like, I'm not, <laughs> right. not, I don't know. No, not, I don't want that. Yeah, they said, uh, they said in NYC the military supposed to be uh gearing up to go knock on people's doors in the hood and start dispensing the uh vaccine you know speaking mm -hmm. of nyc i feel really bad for them right now like i feel like they, they heard they're going through like a whole gotham phase right now where like all the rich have moved out of the city 
and then all the poor people are like moving out of the city just because they can't no one like either like the rich want to save their money and the poor can't afford it of course and then i'm not trying to be disgusting but like it's interesting like how like two years ago there were certain parts of brooklyn where like black residents were talking about like the infestations of rats and like talking about how the city really like needed to invest in like trash cleanup and that would like prevent you know some of like the the debris and the dirt that's always in the street and so now because like it's really really bad like there's so much trash in this in this in um in new york right now um there's so much that's going on so much more so many more people on the street like the rat infestation is like unreal like in parts of new york like in like manhattan like in nice apartment buildings like rats are like literally taking over so they're trying to like pass this bill that like will invest like 22 million to deal with the issue but it's just crazy like how it's taken this long and for coronavirus to like for it to become a big deal in the city like that's unreal that it's okay for people to be living in apartment buildings where they're fighting rats like I'm oh they've been, that's been the new york city thing forever rats roaches that's been- I, I get but an, it, like on like they're saying it's like ratatouille like people are like fighting I'm sure. rats right now i mean it yeah. was already like that yo it was already like that like that's crazy you, when i lived there the whole time you had to go i went through extreme measures to never see a rat or a roach but let me tell you i worked in some of the finest restaurants in the world okay there was a restaurant called tavern on the green it was one of the world's most exclusive restaurants okay in the whole world one of the most expensive they had roaches okay in their kitchen and new york city is just the type of place where everybody has roaches rich people have roaches uh you, you know these this kind of thing now the rats part they had pretty much contained that so like rats would be down in the street and in the hood in the houses in the hood okay in the apartments in the hood but rats themselves would be like all over the streets but you wouldn't really see them in like you know apartments too much um but you would but they would be there but a lot of landlords will hire these maintenance people so they will be able to like contain the rats so Mm -hmm. these maintenance people they they know how to contain rats and you know what i'm saying but Mm -hmm. but know that the that possibly what's probably happened i can imagine is a lot of people was like yeah i'm not about to do this so the people that was maintaining the rat issue are not there I think that's probably one of the issues too. You know, and then yeah. it just got out of hand. So now they're like, oh, snap. So yeah. But dumb rats have always been there. That's something. <laughs> it's just crazy that it's like making like mainstream, you know, mm-hmm. fall over now. Like that they're like they're talking about passing a bill to deal with it where you have rich people who are like like what do they pay their taxes for because they've never had to deal with like you said it's it's always been a part of certain uh boroughs and neighborhoods uh no but the rats are always there right because because you have to think new york is apartments and then so everyone's on top of one another stacked and so the rats was always right. in these neighborhoods they just were never inside these people's apartments 
it's not yeah that's not but a lot of these a lot of these buildings always had well depends but many of them the rich ones they have a doorman and so the doorman you know he he works with the maintenance person okay and makes sure that these people's entrance and any way that that, that anywhere that they're going to be yeah is you know they they hide how you make the stew if you <laughs> lack of a better way to put it got and you so yeah i'm not i haven't been in new york living you know um i visited back in february but i haven't you know lived there for about a decade so i'm like yeah i mean it's always been like that trust me it's always been like that just people the people that were in place to really maintain that issue I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that that's the missing factor that those people aren't there so they need to get some robots huh they doing all yeah, the they do ai get you some robots to deal with them rats some robot cats yeah deja how was your weekend my weekend was pretty good. I had generally do anything. It's nice just to be off. Yeah. What did you that. guys do? Pipe. Well, me. Oh, um, work. Usually, same thing. Worked on my businesses. I I had attended this Black Women in Media conference all week online. Okay. And so I took. I met some of the women uh meaning you know looked them up on instagram and hit them up and so i did i also joined a couple of these um like what would you call them like marketing kind of classes and everything so i just been doing a lot of research and homework and uh just working on you know getting this the branding together that sounds cool mm -hmm. what about you Brittany? um i just did stuff around the house cleaned um just house stuff really i stayed in for the most part i wrote i did write a song this weekend that was kind of cool i can't wait to re like uh, record it so i can play it for y'all next week it's really good okay I'm proud of myself. If you're loving it then i know i'm gonna love it you said what I said, if you're loving it, I know I'm going to love it. Yeah, I really, really like it. So I feel like y'all will like it too. But other than that, just chill. Wait, Brittany, you going to make, I mean, um, Deja, you going to make a beat for Brittany? Of course. Yes. I already told her I need that. I want it, yeah. hot, off the, I want it hot off the press in February. <laughs> this is so exciting. Got you. I'm All so right. excited. I'm going well, to I guess another thing that I wanted to do, though, so usually, I mean... I'm kind of all over the place with my entertainment. I listen to a lot of podcasts mostly, and I read a lot. Yeah. However, um, something that kind of hit me, there's this guy on Instagram, and he um, he's kind of like a vegan fitness yogi guy, like an Afro yogi fitness guy, and he posted a clip from this red table talk and basically will smith um you know this is the 30th anniversary of the fresh prince of bel-air i wish and we had the hand claps right now oh I'm listening. <laughs> ah. yeah 
And so um, Will Smith, um, they did a, you know, his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, has this show called Red Table Talk. And it's supposed to be this show where, you know, she talks to people and they do lots of healing. And it's, for the most part, been majority women. Um, I know Will and Jada was on there talking about what happened with the August Austina, but you know, and they've and she's had both of her kids on there, and then they've you know brought Will on to talk, you know, talk with Willow. But for the most part, they bring a lot of women on there. But this time, um, actually, they did bring a woman. Um, Will Smith took over the Red Table Talk. He brought his therapist, and who is a woman. And um, they talked to Dark Skin on Viv. And um, everyone knows that she was the best on Viv. Mm -hmm. And everyone knows that they had this beef going on for a couple years now. Um, you know, everyone knows that, uh, uh, you know, the beef had never... Um, been you know dealt addressed by will it had been ignored and we know that she put out so janet hubert is the um broadway actress who played on viv originally and um she had she had started on her what was it i don't know if it was youtube or one of her channels she was going in Yes, she was for years though. Was it like 20, 2017, 2018, something like that, right? I mean, she has, I mean, several, several years, like mm -hmm. just back to back to back of going in on him. Yeah, she was going hard in the paint. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so now I'm going to say this preliminarily. I think that the only reason he did this red table talk is because of what's going on right now in 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 the, in quote unquote the culture um because i look at all the elements now mind you when i saw on this brother's um instagram that did the post the clip he posted was this part and we'll play it but the clip he posted was this part where she said that it was difficult that he called he labeled her as difficult which was like the death nail in her career coffin as a black woman and especially as a dark-skinned black woman and then when i saw it was like thousands of comments on this guy's thing right and everybody was pretty much saying the same thing oh this is beautiful i love this healing um, this is great to see in 2020, you know, this is the best thing in 2020. Um, this is, you know, this healing is so wonderful. I love it. And, um, you know, some people were like, whoa, this needs to happen. You know, why now? And so I went and I watched the whole thing. It's only 30 minutes, but we're going to play the whole thing. But in pieces, we'll talk about it. But I'm going to be honest with you. Um... I can't help but feel that as watching it, when she talks about how he ruined her career and things like that, you know, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, damn, that's her money. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's her life. That's her money. 
Um, and I don't know. It's just, it was just so much going on. Um, but like I said, I'm going to play it. And, um, and I have a lot of things that I want to say, but you know, this is what was going through my mind as I was like watching the whole thing. It's like, damn, this dude ruined her entire career. <laughs> and it, and, and he's, he just needs to give her some money. That's what I'm thinking. She needs some reparations off of this. Um, so I'm hoping that this, I'm hoping that this brings her some reparations in the form of um, maybe some jobs to act and get a chance to act. And then also, you know, some personal healing. And then also that she gets it, that she gets what he need to put some money in her pocket. But anyway, um, You know what? Before I play the clip, Deja, did you ever watch the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? I'm just wondering because it it's, mm -hmm. it feels like that would not be your generation. No, of course, yeah. So, would you say that for your generation that that was a popular show, or was it like an off-brand kind of show? Yeah, I'm only like 24. Like, <laughs> I'm not that young. But I mean, was it was it popular or not really popular? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which well, like we watched the reruns, but it was popular. It was popular. At least in the black community, I don't know. I never talked about it with like my white friends to my like memory, but yeah. So was it a show that you guys was it kind of was it one of those shows that was kind of like you knew it was an older generation or did it, do you think that it impacted your generation at all? To me, it wasn't that much older. Um, I feel like it did impact my generation, but I don't know. I didn't feel like it was any different from any of the other sitcoms I was watching. It was just older. Mm -hmm. So did, was the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air a show that, that impacted you? Yeah, I love that show. You love that show? Okay. Who who <laughs> who did you love off the show? Everyone. I mean, there oh, I didn't have a favorite character in particular, but I remember like every episode and moment. Mm, mm Okay. And did you did like and then and Brittany, like what was your reaction to like all of a sudden there's a light skin on Viv? You there, Brittany? You're muted if you're trying to talk. Yeah, so, I mean, I would say that it, definitely the light skin and dark skin on Viv thing, I wasn't old enough to, like, really react to it. I would say that that was, like, an after fact thing, like, it, with it being just, like, a, a huge pop culture thing and it always being discussed. Like, I don't know if you guys remember when VH1 had the, in the 90s, in the 2000s, and they would, like, go back and, like, reiterate sitcoms and things it wasn't until that like review of Fresh Prince that I realized that all of that was going on I mean the show was just such a big show like to Deja's point like it wasn't like a favorite character it was like I don't know like she definitely was the better on Viv but the show was so big that to everyone's point like even though she was the better on Viv she definitely deserves reparations the show was like bigger than her and as it was supposed to be, you know what I mean? 
so for me it wasn't until after the fact that it become a thing that it was a different unbid mm-hmm. so okay i'm gonna play this uh you can go back on uh, mute because i'm hearing the echo but i'm gonna play um some of these clips and some of the some of the rhetoric online i'm gonna say you know was i looked at instagram or whatever everyone was like all into the healing aspect but i want to get y'all's reaction and some of the stuff y'all won't be able to see obviously but if you go and watch it you know um and i'm gonna just give y'all i'm gonna give y'all my reactions and i want to get y'all's reaction as we watch it so i'm gonna just play the whole thing and like i said we'll just keep interrupting it so we'll start with the intro What's up? This is Will Smith. I haven't been in this seat before. This is my first Red Table Takeover. Something big happened, and I want to share it with you. I found myself in a bitter, painful feud. After 30 years of not speaking, there's nobody on earth that would say I hurt them that bad. I sat with the Fresh Prince's Aunt Viv. I just wanted to know one thing. Mm-hmm. Why? Psychologist Dr. Romani helps me figure out how I got here. You took psychological punches. Mm-hmm. From deep childhood wounds, my father beat my mother to the key things I've learned. It's not who I want to be, how to heal broken relationships. Okay, so now from that intro, right? What I find interesting, um, and it is his wife's uh, red table talk show that he is taking over. But it seems as though, and this is just the media literacy part, that from the beginning, it seems as though, okay, this is going to be like Will Smith's um, healing, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Did y'all get any? Did y'all? Do y'all have any reaction to just hearing that little intro? Um. No, I, I guess know. I agree with that. Me too. Okay. Are any other reactions, or you want me to keep? Well, I was gonna ask you guys. Did you peep out? He said, um, that this was the person that he hurt the most. Um. I mean, it's definitely, this is his perspective and I honestly think it's entertaining and I think it's realistic. Like if, you know, after someone laying the truth on me like that, I probably would want to reflect on it as well. If I'm a person that seeks therapy proactively or reactively. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think if I had any say so, I would say that you can't say that's the person you know you hurt the most i understood what he was saying but like i just wish he it kind of like it's already in his perspective but i just think that that's a that's a tough one for him to say like who you hurt the most just like accept the fact that you hurt her and Mm -hmm. it's not about necessarily who you've hurt the most i think that that's a his way of phrasing it is still him being attached to that being something negative like it's okay we're human we do we will hurt people in this life i don't know that's oh, me digging that's me the digging. other thing i want to say is this now did y'all know that facebook has a network Mm-mm. a tv network so this aired 
on Facebook's TV network. And this joint got already 7.6 million views, 19,000 comments, and 61,000 shares. Just sharing that. It'll probably be different by the time y'all get to it. But, um, all right, so I'm gonna just, so that was the kind of intro to it. So now I'm gonna play, um, a little bit more. The sound, this could be good here. I could try that right there. That'll work, we think. So uh, this is him uh, at the family Mike home. Check, Mike checking the mic. Mike check, Mike checking the mic. Uh, Mike, Mike. Mike checking the mic. Mike check. Mike checking the mic. Uh, uh, uh. So they're cleaning up. <laughs> okay, good. Gam doesn't do it like that. <laughs> so he's joking with the uh, crew, Thank the casting crew. Thank you, Will. Thanks for having this conversation. I think it's going to help more people than you think. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah. I hope. Oh, that's it. That's what we do here. We, we, do we, we expose ourselves. Expose yourselves in the, in the name of helping others. So yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I, I haven't been in this seat before. How's that feel? A little red table takeover. (laughs) (laughs) I brought myself to the red table to talk about something that has really troubled me for nearly 30 years. Joining me is uh, Dr. Romani. She's a brilliant clinical psychologist and a trusted friend of the red table. Mm -hmm. You know, this year was the 30th anniversary of the Fresh Mm -hmm. Prince of Bel Air. And my painful situation was, was around the, the Fresh Prince. I had a feud, a okay. war of words mm-hmm. that I'd been in with someone that I never thought would get resolved. And, and really until recently, I didn't know how to even begin the process of reconciliation. Okay, so I just want to say now, I'm going to describe what it was going on. So... That first part, they showed that he they went into their family home, and you see them. The crew is like setting up all the lights and the cameras and everything, and then he's being jokey and silly and like banging on the kitchen counter and like rapping, you know, a little freestyle, like you know, set up the mic or whatever. And then the doctor comes in, and then they sit down, and then now you're seeing them. They're like actually at the red table. And then there's a camera, there's a couple of cameras and one camera's facing him. And at certain points, he's looking directly into the camera. And then at certain points, the camera's like, there's a camera that's looking where it's like a double shot where th- where they're looking at each other. And then there's another camera that is just on her and kind of gets her reactions and everything. But, um... For me, this whole part up until this point, like it, he, it, for me, it just feels like I could feel, I could see him like performing for folks, you know, as, as himself. And, um, it all just has like a really fake feeling to it, like a really Hollywood feeling, like his laugh was like super fake, you know? And um, I don't know, like, what did y'all get that from this clip? Days, did you? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, but I feel like a lot of men do that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I don't know. Like, I feel like 
it's definitely an element uh, of it feeling like entertainment because I mean that's literally what it is. It's they're putting it out there for us to be entertained. But I do think there's a there's there's the the imagery of it is an A plus, right? I mean, at the end of the day, there's fake rap beefs. I'd rather see people watch, re, you know, a fake re, you know, fake rehab over a reunion to, you know, based on what it represents than a fake rap beef. Um, I think in all, I think it's healthy for him to do it. Um, I just wonder, you know, I think the point you're making, maybe making is, is if it was real, would it even be on camera? But I do think we are living in the age of transparency. And I think that for all these years of something like that being over both of their heads, they probably both felt like they owed it to the public to resolve it on TV because it's been so, you know, transparent over the years that they had something going on. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I thought that the reunion was a really good reunion. It was like the best produced visually reunion I've ever seen. Like it, it really, really took you back into the show. It was up there to me with the footage of the Jordan last dance mm -hmm. the type of footage that they've had, they had that I've never, never, ever seen. Mm -hmm. So I feel as if like what people are starting to say, sometimes things are, nothing is bigger than the culture. Like, and so for them like to do that and for them to have the, that unveil, if they would have not had her, it would have really sucked because we already didn't have un Uncle Phil for the reunion. Mm -hmm. So her presence not being there would have made it like, is this really a Fresh Prince reunion? You know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like they had to like do this. I don't know. And it, it, it kind of feels hurtful that it happened without Uncle Phil too. A little bit. Yeah. A lot of it. I mean, but what can you do? They so gave him a really good, man, I'm telling you, they gave him a really, really, really good, uh, like spotlight like especially when they talked about it from like I, I hate to digress on it but it's it's really not digressing because she was you know a thespian and he was as well like true mm -hmm. actors true actresses true mm -hmm. talents juilliards mm -hmm. and they were saying like how you know even we'll get to it like she discusses where the beef kind of streamed streamed from from just a professional level you know, mm -hmm. Uncle, what those two instilled on that set, like the, the reunion goes into, that it would be an everlasting impression on them and what it means for them to be Black and in the arts and what their work meant and what it would mean because it was su it was just such a great capture of culture during that time frame. Yeah. And so how, it, it, I don't know, it's just, it was good. It was good. Yeah. All right, I'm going to play a little more. I really couldn't see myself celebrating without really dealing with this 30 years is your whole adult Absolutely. life that is that's a heavy weight to carry yeah. at 21 i felt like i was on top of the world the fresh prince of bel-air was a hit now this is a story all about how my life hey, Viv, how are you doing hi <laughs> janet hubert was cast as my aunt viv she was 34 years old an accomplished actress and dancer who had come to the show from Broadway. At first, we were all just one big happy family. Those Friday night tapings were a lot of fun. We'll get wrapped up. The audience would get wrapped up. We're It was awesome. 
But as time went on, our relationship soured, and I handled it poorly. He was young. He was out of control in his own way. <laughs> he had all this power. I was loud, and it was always 20 dudes from Philly banging music. There was a, a need for me to have professionalism on the set because I was used to it. Well, honey, listen to me. I wasn't sensitive, and ultimately, it felt like I wasn't kind. I would sit in my car some night. Okay, wait. Now, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna keep it a buck with you. When I watched this, I got triggered when he said I wasn't sensitive. That makes me want to like gouge out his tongue with a spoon. Like if someone Why? said, I hate that when people say I wasn't sensitive. I mean, I guess that is what it is, but then at the same time, there's to me, I feel like there's a negative connotation with sensitivity to where when folks say like, you know, that there that um like i like i wasn't sensitive it's like yeah you like to me i feel like awareness is more is more of a better word for me sensitive to me is like um like he had to come down to her level or something because she was being she was being extra yeah it's sensitive you know usually and i'm gonna say usually there's like this it's like a disconnect when people say, oh, I wasn't sensitive. I see what you're saying. I never looked at it that like that. I don't know. I never looked at it like that. Oh, I like, can't understand when people say that. Like, because, because usually the same people say that others are too sensitive, right? So when people say like, oh, well, I wasn't sensitive. To me, it's like, just be, just acknowledge you were not aware. You weren't being aware because sensitive is like, you know, everyone has different levels of sensitivity, and uh, and I get that. And so, yeah, if you if if to hear, and a lot of times it's with men. Like a lot of times, men will say, "Oh, you know, um, I got to be sensitive," or we want men to be sensitive. It's not about what's being funny, sensitive. What's, what's funny about your critique is, Deja. I don't know if you've seen it, but where mm -hmm. they talk to Jada and Willow talk to Will Smith, and they on red table and they say all the time how much they have to check him with his language like he says willow will have an attitude and be like oh somebody's on their menstrual and they'll be like that is not okay for you to say like that has that for you to reach and say something like that is ignorant so it's just yeah. interesting to hear like you break him down because i feel like he is a representative of a person that we do see as kind of like a good a good guy like you know they play him up as like the good black man because he is yeah. well is a good guy you know but yeah. he's still, and it's his too, it's still learning you know what i'm saying he but still has also his image too so right right you know that is his image and that's how they played him up on fresh prince right mm -hmm. was his image to be a good guy and how much of that is he trying to still like and, and don't get me wrong like i'd rather see someone fake being a good guy and actually be a good guy <laughs> and i'm not and it's not think, to say I, he's I, not I, perfect I genuinely, I genuinely think will is a good guy who's been exposed to hollywood so who knows what is good or bad right compared to you know per what he's experienced but i think 
genuinely when I look at him, I don't see someone that like is a, a devil behind him. Oh no, 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 not at all. I'm like, not I think he's a, I think he's a good dude. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not trying to insinuate that at all. And no, I don't think you are. I don't think yeah. you are. I, it's just, you know, I'm just acknowledging, like, you know, uh, some different language things that I notice. And it's, a, and it's usually with guys yeah. that would say, oh, you know, oh, I'm not being sensitive. It makes me just, it, it's a trigger for me. Like, I hate when people say, I hate especially when guys say, oh, I wasn't being sensitive. I hate when women say it too. Like, oh, I'm not being sensitive. It's like, you don't have to be, you don't have to uh, be sensitive, you know? To be aware. I got to you. be aware. You know, and, 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 and what it says is it's actually a converse saying that you're too sensitive. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, soften up for you. It's not about softening up. It's like, yeah, step into your humanity. I don't know. That's how I take it. But okay. Let me play a little bit more. So this is on Viv. She's, uh, now they have this other section where they, um, have this white paper that you know like uh paper that you photograph on photo paper and then they're on the white paper like as if they're in the studio and they're in the sitting in this really nice like black chair so they're so when you hear on viv she's not at the red table she's this is um footage that was taken maybe either on the set of the reunion possibly it was okay so yeah are some nights and not want to work I felt like Janet hated me and hated doing the show. The misconception of me was that I was haughty, difficult, wanted to be the star of the show. Things got more tense and the decision was made to reduce her role. They offered me this really bad deal in the third season to, I think, sort of put me in my place. So I said no. In season four, Janet was replaced by Daphne Maxwell-Reed. Janet blamed me. Then our private disagreements went public. They went after me like red meat. On a radio interview, I said that Janet wanted it to be the Aunt Viv of Bel Air show. Over the years, the war of words escalated. In 2018, Janet released this video. Will, make no mistake, this video is for you directly. I will not go to my grave feeling that questions have been unanswered or misconceptions of me that you put there have never been dealt with. Nowhere did it ever say I was fired. The only person who ever said that, sweetie, was you. The vomit that you spewed, I still reek of it. The one thing I do regret in my life was ever taking that role to have to have worked with someone like you. I wish you had thought about my family. I wish you had thought about the consequences of your actions. Ooh. I've never actually seen that. That's the first time I've ever seen that. Wow. I never watched it. Okay, so that triggered me. <laughs> like for for her for that video went extra viral and so for for him to say he never watched it like that triggered me to no end i mean 
He said no one ever told him. He said people told him not to watch it, and I can understand that. Yeah, me too. I have I have angry voicemails left by people <laughs> on my phone that I will never listen to. <laughs> like, yeah, nah. it's, especially with a dude like what we just said. Like, right, he's wrapped up in his image of being this good guy. Like, so like you don't want to. I wouldn't want to hear nothing like that. What? Mm-hmm. You mean the truth? Yeah. But okay, so what is that? So, okay, what does that it's mean? Negativity, someone... like you don't need that. The truth is negativity. I mean, the way she was spewing it, it wasn't like they, what they just did, right? It's not like he ran away from the talk that they just had. He did in a way, but what he ran away from was the 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 the, the stings of what she was saying and doing, and how she was doing it. I'm not saying. He shouldn't have watched it. I'm just saying that I understand his viewpoint of not watching. I hear you. I guess I'm just like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like dudes get away with stuff and women have and black women have to be the villain all the time. Yeah. And I'm glad to be honest. Like, I'm glad that she was able to speak her truth. She doubted down for sure, but I'm glad that she was able to tell him how she felt to his face. And I'm glad that he allowed her to speak. And then I'm glad that she did not hold anything back. Like, I'm glad that she also humbled herself before going into the therapy with him, that session, not the therapy with him, but the talk with him to give, to give him understanding that she knew that the environment and the time had a lot to do with the way he was acting. Like the fact that he was young, but then also the fact that, you know, how he was the star and like when you watch the reunion what's crazy is is that when he is in front of the cast and is telling them how he went up how he got the show he said one night he was invited to quincy jones birthday party so there's a whole bunch of people there and he says he gets there and i can't think of the guy's name benny medina is that his name yeah that was his manager so he introduces him to Quincy and then they run this show by him um, about like kind of like how they wanted how they wanted it to be. And Quincy Jones was drunk and wanted Will to audition in front of the whole party. And Will was like, no, like, I don't want to like really audition in front of the whole party. And like, I need time. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll give me a week or so. And then Quincy Jones like told him like he had 10 minutes. So he, he did the audition in front of this whole party and immediately he got it. So they pedestal Will the, like from that moment. Like he was like, the, the aura, they all made it very clear in a nice way, in a respectful way that Will was the star. Like there was everyone, there was a family, like for sure. Like they, you saw the family vibe that they all had amongst each other, but there was no mistake that he was the golden boy. You know what I mean? So for me, like the fact that she acknowledges that, okay, like I already understand, like, your side of it but even still you didn't even know like this was my side like so I don't know I think I really enjoyed the way she all those years was spewing all that stuff but to like fast forward and see her do a different version of it but it'd be the same message was kind of powerful and especially her telling him a black woman telling a black man like do you not understand what it means like what you do when you tell one person that I'm difficult like the effect that has mm. like I really felt he needed to understand that yeah 
So wait, I'm gonna play a little more. Let's see. You know, people have said to me that no, you know, don't, don't don't watch that. Okay. We had a cast reunion. Mm -hmm. I wanted us to seek healing, and I knew the first phase of that healing was me understanding what she experienced. Mm -hmm. So I asked Janet to sit down with me, and you know, we sat down. Dr. Romney was was on set with us that day in case Janet or I needed, you know, some assistance to be able to make our way through. After 27 plus years, this is the this is the first time that we ever sat down. Thank you very much. If you need anything at all, let me know. Okay. Thank you. Tell me my eyes glow like a raccoon. <laughs> they sometimes Your do. Your eyes look spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> they give a big hug to each other. Better. Good to see you. So you, too. To see you. you too. Where are you sitting? This has been tough. Yeah. For sure. Well, has it been tough for you? Uh, yes, it has. Yeah. Only you know and I know what the truth is yeah. about all of this. I just wanted to know one thing. Mm -hmm. Why? Why so far? You guys went so far. I lost so much. I think it would be helpful for me like, I don't know your story. Mm -hmm. I know. I you know. know. So talk me through, because I was having a, a, a different experience. As the oldest woman on that set, you know, there's that respect level yeah. that I just needed to have of being an older woman and a black yeah. woman. We had our issues. Mm -hmm. I had been banished. And they said it was you who, who banished me because I didn't laugh at your jokes. Then they ordered me to stay in my room. I couldn't come out on the stage. And I wasn't unprofessional on the set. I just stopped talking to everybody because I didn't know who to trust. And the whole negotiation thing was messed up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey. You guys offered me something I had to turn down. And I was like, why? Absolutely. And, you Did know. You okay, wait. So now when she says so there was a lot of things in there i probably should have stopped at each one but one of the major things if you notice when she basically you know was saying that um these are the things that y'all did to me he didn't say like no i didn't did you notice that Like Brittany, Deja. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, did you notice that when she was saying like, these are the things you did to me. So, so he did do those things to her. Yeah. I think, I think, I think he admits to it. I think he de definitely. And then I think. No, he never said I did on. Well, we never see him say that he admits <laughs> to doing that. Um, I think there's a point where I don't think he I think he didn't doesn't directly 
but I think he indirectly notes that his behavior was wasn't right. But the, I think the other thing she says is you guys, what you guys offered me, which kind of goes back into like what I was saying, like the producers, the writers, the the Quincy Jones, everyone was backing Will. Like so the fact that she views it as them versus her is interesting as well. Like I can't even imagine how that probably felt. Like for her to feel that like she couldn't go to anyone and say, Hey, can you talk to him? Because they backed him. You know what I mean? When you say how how she feels like she couldn't have, does that mean that that that, that you think that was illusion in her mind or no? No. Oh. I think I don't I don't think what she experienced is an illusion at all. I'm just saying that she is openly talking about how those t- that time frame made her feel. And not only the ha- talking about how it made her feel, but you know the 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 consequences to their actions, how it impacted her life. Though so I don't I don't think it's an illusion. I can see it very clear that those things happen. I think everyone can see very clear that those things happen. And I think that's why he's doing the red table like as well. Like I think he's doing the red table because he sees it, it sees it that way too. Yeah, but I just just as a more specific note, she was being very direct and he get, I just I just don't like that he gets to be indirect and still gets to be like I just feel like to me, it just feels, I mean, I know they're working on healing and all this other kind of thing, but to me, it just feels as though he also should have been direct about that. But he's in the industry and he didn't want to say or admit that, yeah, I sabotaged your career. He didn't, he didn't like directly say that. He kind of made it like, oh, yeah, I was young. I didn't know what was going on. I, you know, it made it seem like he also was kind of like a victim that was like clueless and he was just silly and all that. But clearly he was menacing and nefarious and directly sabotaged her career. And I, for me, I I want to see him say that, but he never says that so i don't know do you know what i mean yeah the closest thing he said to your point was he felt like she not only she was a threat that but anything that got in the way of his image was a threat like he said that but that's as direct as he got like when they were talking about huh i said i know it just feels so soft it just feels like a soft it feels like like he gets let off easy that's all i'm saying i got you i mean it's his world (laughs) again right it's his world again like it's his table talk she's on his territory it's just for me personally like it's i'm gonna just be honest with you it's really triggering because especially having worked in that in the industry and having experienced a lot of this and also witnessed a lot of this like it's extra triggering you know because it feels as though even in all of this healing and apology shit it just has a feeling as though it's still him getting to be this hero that gets to still be a good guy like 
I just want to look. I wish that we got a more truth from from Will. I wish we got more truth, more authenticity. Like I wish. I don't care that he says that whatever happened or his he was silly or. I wanted to hear Will say, "Yeah, I I did sabotage you. I told them not to. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know, but I don't know. All right, I'm gonna play some more. And you did know. you know that they offered me ten weeks of work and said you can't work anywhere else? I didn't know specifically what the offer was <laughs> 10 weeks and i knew that Two you months. had turned down the offer how do you survive with a mortgage and a new business and yeah. a new baby and a husband who wasn't working at the time mm -hmm. how do you survive yeah. so much of what you said just destroyed and everywhere i went everybody just beat me up we lost our house i lost everything reputation everything she took all that away from me. Mm -hmm. With your words, you know, words can kill. You know those words, calling a black woman difficult mm -hmm. in Hollywood is the kiss of death. And it's hard enough being a dark-skinned black woman mm -hmm. in this business. Angry black woman, that's mm -hmm. all I got. Bitter. But what you didn't realize either, that I was going through a lot at home. Mm -hmm. Right. You didn't know. Yep. You guys didn't know. Very abusive marriage. Mm-hmm. I had a new baby. He was three months old. So I felt like there was no sanctuary anywhere right. for yeah. me. Family disowned me. The black community disowned me because he keep wanting to bring it up. Yeah. It's like, what about that Fresh Prince thing? What about Will Smith? What about all the, you know, it just never goes away. Black people mm -hmm. beat my ass. They beat my son's ass. Somebody smashed a cookie in my son's face and said, your mother is a bitch. People send me hateful Instagrams. Aren't you dead yet? I love Will. Why don't you just die? It was hard. It was hard. But I promised my dad before he left this earth, and you know you lost your dad, yeah. that I would clear my name because it's his name. My family said, you've ruined our name. He's crying. But you're the big star, you know? I'm just a little black bitch. So I feel like I appreciate that she got that super real, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's how real it actually needed to get. Me too. And I wonder, like, how, you know, after this, you know, uh, it, you know, is it like with this reconciliation or this healing or whatever? I wonder, you know, I saw a lot of outpouring on, like I said, the brother that had posted, the brother posted that clip right there. And that's the clip that made me come, you know, and watch this. Yeah. And you I was like, yeah. You know what's crazy? Like, there's so many things that go into the elements. Like everything that we experience as black people is almost like full circle, right? So during the reunion, right, she comes back onto the set and she meets everybody and hugs everybody. And there's this moment where she's hugging the other Unc Vib very tight. And that's the first moment that they've ever met each other. Mm -hmm. And through this show, right, you see how it's it's an it's refreshing to hear the other Aunt Viv talk because for so many years, people have downed her and put her in a box by calling her like 
you know, the 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 new ain't Viv and the dark skin on Viv was the better Aunt Viv, you know, like so you don't really get to see her. You see her, but the show when she took the role is it's interesting. What they didn't like about the old Aunt Viv, they completely wrote out of her character, if you notice it. Like, yeah. Right? She she comes onto the show. She's a milder Aunt Viv. She's still very classy. She's very articulate. But she's a dialed, a dialed back Black woman, right? She's not the aggressor. She's not snappy. She's not sarcastic. She's just mellow, right? So the show kind of silences the role of Aunt Viv. So people's take on her silences her, right? So you see this moment, they're together, they're hugging. And then you kind of start to feel like, man, like if there's no reconciliation, it kind of just looks bad on both ends. Now you have the separation of black people where people are saying the dark skin on Viv was the better on Viv. So, and still in reality, you're still shitting on another black woman. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's mm-hmm. just like this domino effect of black hate, right? And yeah. the show kind of, the reunion kind of gives a chance for everyone to have a space. You know what I mean? Even Jeffrey, right? Being the black butler, right? That role kind of being a little bit triggering to some, you know? Mm-hmm. He having a chance to have a voice. Carlton being typecasted as, you know, the, the or oh my God, Hillary. Like, I was about to start going on Carlton, but Hillary talks about how she started hating her role as being like this dingy Black girl, and they were about to write her in as becoming more conscious and woke. And then she says she realized that that wasn't, at that, that, at that point, she didn't want that. She wanted it to be more so um, a situation where all, like that there are black girls that are like that in in Bel Air. Like there's a reality to her role and to write it out for her felt like she was not being real. She said it, it came, it became a funky mental thing for her, but mm-hmm. it's just interesting to see all of them kind of like, you know, because Will was this big star, right? Everything was about Will Smith. You know what I mean? The reunion gave a chance for everyone to have their space and you get to see the the masterpiece behind each each role and why they were able to connect it the way that they do. But the the Aunt Viv situation to me was a really deep thought because they both were impacted by it, right? How is it you 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 dedicate yourself to what six there were six seasons and also the the new Aunt Viv dedicated herself to uh three seasons, three or four seasons, and she was never good enough. You know what I mean? Never good enough. We all, you know, we all say it proudly that Janet was the better unviv. So to see that, you know, that reconciliation for that was was definitely powerful, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Let me see. Um, all right. So they're still sitting in the studio across from each other. And like he said, the therapist is in the room with them, like if they need any coaching. So I'm sure they was getting coaching back and forth and then they cut the camera on, you know? So we're seeing the best parts, but yeah. So they're still, Will and Janet are still sitting across from each other. And she's crying. They're both crying. I just need some water. Do you want to walk upstairs? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. So they're both crying. She gets up. She needs some air. She needs to walk out. And so she does. 
Then they go um, back to the red table now. He's with the therapist. It's just heavy. Mm -hmm. It's just heavy, you know. And it's it's uh it's funny. The, the my body uh it's like I my body's shaking a little. It's like I'm trying to put some some logic to it, but mm -hmm. the sensation I feel is it's not who I want to be and okay. it's not how I want to make people feel okay. my whole life and career mm -hmm. is centered on aggressively trying to make people feel the opposite of that okay all right so you've gone to an interesting place I don't want other people to feel this way mm -hmm. and she's you know and but let's just stay for one minute with your mm -hmm. feeling okay mm -hmm. just Give me my shrink moment yeah. here because <laughs> that's a yeah. lot to have come at you. Yeah. I felt yeah. it, you know, I felt that energy and I'm not you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And part of, part of listening is giving yourself space to process your own emotion yeah. when someone's coming at you like that. So let's take a moment there. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling? So it's, um, my, my father was, uh, violent mm. in my house mm. so a part of the whole creation of will smith the joking fun mm. silly was to make sure that my father was entertained enough not to hurt my mother or anybody mm. in the house mm -hmm. okay right so that plucks a, ch a childhood space yeah of inadequacy mm -hmm. and when when someone comes at me like that the little the little boy yeah. is fully in that space and i would perform and mm -hmm. dance and tell jokes okay all right right people laughing and people having fun was my defense mechanism i realized the other side of it was if i cut you bad enough you wouldn't be able to respond. Uh, okay. So, but people laughing for you then is safety. Laughing dad, is safety. If yes. dad was laughing, if he was and laughing, dad wasn't lashing out. He wasn't hitting my mother. Okay. Right. I can imagine on the set of The Fresh Prince 30 years ago, yeah. you just kept cracking the jokes more and more and more. Yes. It's like Janet was Juilliard yeah. trained. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Janet can sing, mm -hmm. she can dance, she can act. Mm -hmm she's brilliant mm -hmm. and she was in the parental figure yes 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 right mm -hmm. so my little boy desperately mm -hmm. needed her approval ah uh, okay but the dynamic you described with dad was also it was not just approval but mm -hmm. it was how do i keep myself safe keep myself you had safe. a harder yes. game to play yes with, okay? absolutely and so you were balancing both of those here i need to feel safe yeah. and i need the approval but there were other people this is your real family absolutely. but all those wounds were getting triggered yeah and so you weren't able to be your best self it's really interesting so okay now was what's actually interesting is now this is him and his 50 year old self um talking about you know his 21 year old self and he you know i don't know for me i mean i understand that he i guess i just wish that we got to see like some of the um janet 
being able to uh, have this same conversation with the therapist. It just feels a little bit cheat, like cheated as an audience to only have like Will talking to the therapist. But um, that's just my initial reactions. Like, what do y'all think um, after listening to that piece? Um, I mean, never heard him talk about how his dad was abusive before this. So I thought that was interesting. But I mean, like I said before, it's his platform. And he did say that the therapist was there to intervene if him and Janet couldn't see eye to eye. But it wasn't really about Janet's experience. It was about Will needing to heal it from his side. But you got know. you got any reactions, Brittany? No, I mean I feel I feel likewise as Deja. I mean I understand where you're coming from. I think Janet did. I think she probably is gonna do some more public speaking. I did see a lot of blogs posting videos from her perspective and her talking about how that uh, you know alone made her feel the freest she's felt in a while. So I'm hoping, like you were saying too, Piper, that this comes with her getting more roles. Like, I hope that this, if that's what she wants, right? If that's the direction she wants for her life is to be back in front of the camera, I hope that this um, opens the doors for her for that. And then I'm also hoping, like, in some way she's able, if she needs money, if she needs something, she needs whatever she needs as far as access, I'm hoping that's granted, granted to her. Um, you know, but other than that, it is Will's platform. You know, he's going to discuss it in a way that is good for his image, like we all do, in some sorts, right? Um, I do think, I think even with the way that Will and Jada handle, handled their entanglement, they try to be private people, but then they know people, they, they said they know specifically Black people for some reason like to know how they handle things. So they feel that they owe the public some sort of, insight on their life and how they handle things so I think that's their crack at it um and with the line of them having to remain and keep a certain image Hmm. yeah I just feel like I don't know some parts of this are like so triggering for me <laughs> just watching um and it's only because you know just having like I said uh being in the industry and having experienced some of this stuff and having seen others experience some of this stuff um it just brings up a lot for me and i think about all of the like so this is just one uh you know with like relationship like think of all the other people in hollywood who have done this same exact thing to you know, an actress, right? Or have, yeah, like done the same thing to an actor or done, like think of how much pain is out there, you know, from people just, this is like typical Hollywood stuff. You know what I'm saying? But like, think of how many people are just wounded, you know, by this by this type of um, nefarious viciousness. And just think of, if this is like the general culture, like what, you can understand like what that, you know, that cycle, you know what I'm saying? Of, I'm gonna call it violence, you know, because this is a form of violence, you know what I mean? Um, 
yeah like it's just you can see how you know people just get to use their power to manipulate and control you know people's lives like this is just so it's just evil to me you know it's just evil and so i don't know it's just it's just really triggering that's all when i listen to it i get triggered and i and it it really just validates when i say like yeah this is why we have to we got to do things differently you know what i mean um okay so they're still at the red table i'm gonna play a little bit more thing i just i just noticed now in this moment that i fell right back into yeah. my family dynamic with my television family mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I was the jokester and I was playing and I was laughing and I needed everybody to be joyful right. so I could feel safe. Mm -hmm. That's right. So now we're understanding how you feel, but there's mm -hmm. a there's a lot of hurt there. Yeah. There's a lot of resentment yeah. there. Yeah. Did you feel hurt? I, by oh Jen? God, yes, absolutely. I felt um I felt threatened. Mm, that makes sense. I felt threatened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, at that point in my career, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air really saved my life, right? So I had, I had a few years in the music business, mm -hmm. but I had lost all of my money. I didn't pay taxes. Mm -hmm. I was in debt to the IRS. I had just flopped an album, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and the Fresh Prince represented life. Right, right. Um, so on the little boy in me level with Janet, I needed mommy to think I was great. And then once I realized that she didn't, the, the, my dragon woke mm -hmm, up. Mm -hmm. Okay. You become that little boy in any system that feels like a family. Mm -hmm. You've got to stay on top, stay on of, top that. of that. That's yeah. It. I just realized it's yeah. like, Oh shoot, that was the yeah. family dynamic again. That's it. You know, so that's a trigger and you mm -hmm. feel it in here and the problems we feel it physically. Yeah. So it feels as real as though we were four years old. Absolutely. And that's what gets turned on. So the yeah. question is, how do you respond to that? Yeah. Yeah. So now, um i don't know so i don't know if y'all got a chance to see any older clips or whatever but i can say this much when the fresh prince of bel-air show first came out will smith's music career was like really on a downturn because he had had a huge hit um you know him and jazzy jeff were you know they were pretty big artists like in the late 80s but then when when um when the fresh prince of bel-air when that when it first came out they actually took like a really old like an older song you know and made it um you know the parents just don't understand song and you know they just took that and they pumped it up but like yeah like his music career was on the outs and it says that he owed what like 2.8 million dollars to the irs and if I'm not mistaken, he had had a wife and a kid at, at the time, if I'm not mistaken. And um, yeah, so it's just really, it's just really interesting, you know, like that level of like desperation, you know, where he was. Um, and like you were saying, Brittany, that he felt threatened, you know? um like what do you what do you guys think of well, did y'all know that will smith's career at a certain like when did 
I mean, I knew it because I grew up with, you know, him as a hip hop artist, him and Jazzy Jeff. And I remember that song that parents just don't understand. And it was like, he had this one image with his music where he was, you know, like, you know, like a, like a cool, you know what I'm saying? He was like, like down with like the LL Cool J, you know what I'm saying? He was in that vein of, of hip hop. And so when he made, when he made the parents just sort of understand that was when hip hop started, you know, really going to white people and it just started to, it just started feeling corny. It had a sort of an MC Hammer type feel to it. And, um, people just were like, you know, gravitating away from, from that group because it didn't have that same sort of, you know, edge that it had initially. Um, but I don't know, did y'all know that about his career at all? About when the Fresh Prince started or any of that? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was part of his, like, story, right? Where people are like, well, Will Smith went bankrupt and he was able to turn his life around. And I do remember people saying that, like, rap was kind of going through this phase where when he put out that music, it, it definitely was perceived as corny. Oh, yeah. Like, everybody that was already doing hip-hop, when he did the parents just don't understand, I thought maybe he did that one for children. Um, Like, little children. You know what I mean? Um, Because even I was a teenager at the time, or maybe I was a late teen, I can't remember. But um, it didn't feel like that message was for me. And it kind of felt like, oh, okay, he's going a different direction. So when the show came out, it felt like the show was for me. Because I definitely, I'm not that far younger than him, um, but I am younger than him. And I'm Jada Pinkett's age, so we're the same age. And it had, a, you know, because he was doing that show. And then I remember Jada was on the show. And then um, it was at the time that... Um, you know, a different world was hot, you know, which was the same demographic, you know what I mean? And so a lot of black films were getting made. A lot of black filmmakers were making films. Um, Hip hop was going in a, in a more commercial direction at that point and was starting to make more money. And then a lot of the hip hop artists, you know, like your LL Cool J's and stuff were, you know, dipping into Hollywood and, and everybody was, you know, not everybody, but, uh, you know, folks were trying to be actors. And then a lot of these Hollywood films, you know, that's where you get this whole hip hop film genre from. Because, you know, in the 90s, that's when, you know, entertainment started becoming more black. And, um, you know, there there started to be themes around hip hop and, and, and rap culture. And so, yeah, The Fresh Prince was like a TV version of like um trying to reach out to or use hip-hop as a tool you know to reach out to um this younger demographic that was going to support you know all the other things cultural of hip-hop so um that's just my perspective like you know having lived through it but i wonder um when y'all watch the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, 
Like, I know it's like, a, you know, a sitcom and probably a part of your childhood and everything. But what type of, you know, what did y'all get from, like, watching that show in terms of, like, cult, like, cult, like, if when you think back, like, in, in your life, like, did you, what did you get culturally, like, from that show? It was just, like, watching, like, my cousins on TV. Mm. That's a good one. I feel the same way, too. Like, my rich cousins on TV. Like, my rich cousins yeah. that I get to visit, like, every two years or see at the family reunion. Like, Black people being rich in the 90s was like that. Like, and still being down. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not as down as the Cosby's, but definitely still down where they're at least uh what's the approach not approachable but like they it definitely like i don't know you they were likable they weren't like uh like these stuck up black people and i think honestly that the on viv was the one who made it feel that way like the original one janet's character because I do feel like when even when they, just to go back to that, when they changed to the other Aunt Viv, it did have a more, like, milder flavor to the family. Even to the, uh, you know, the script and everything. Now, did y'all relate to um, Ashley at all? Yeah, yeah always. Mm-hmm. Now, what, now, what was your you know, what was your reaction like when you, so now, you know, when I see Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like that show was like my college years, you know what I'm saying? Into my, it was like college through young adult that that show was on for me. Like what were y'all's years that y'all actually like watched? And And that's when it was like on the air for me. But like, what was your years of like watching that show that you think it influenced you? So, uh, when was the first season? Was it not? Was that ninety three? Mm, I, I can't remember. I was three in ninety three, but I don't know if it came out in ninety five or let's see. No, I came out before then. Let's see when Fresh Prince of Bel Air came out. Um, did you pull it up yet? Yeah, it it aired in 90 and ended in 96. So I was really, really young. Um, So I probably caught more so like the TNT, most of the TNT flashback shows or TBS, excuse me, TBS was the first to play Fresh Prince on TV as a rerun. So mm-hmm. like I, I definitely watched, like seriously, Fresh Prince is like a cult. Like it's like you couldn't get away from it because it was like, rerun out and then it just was so like the colors everything was just so loud like especially just because of the time that it was filmed it was like saved by the bell right mm-hmm. like the loud 90 colors like it literally drew you in you know and it just was eclectic from so many levels so i would say it affected fashion for me it uh it just was hip-hop uh how you view black people um it's comedy, right? It's just a different type of comedy. Um, I don't know, like, 
I know that it it aired Monday nights, so I know I probably didn't watch it really until I was probably like seven or eight or nine when they did reruns. There's no way I was watching it at like three or three or four. Mhm. And what about you, Deja? Um, I just watched the reruns on like Nick at Night, but oh yeah, Nick know. at Night. That's so funny. <laughs> I mean, I love the show. I felt like, I don't know, it just, it was a part of me. I, I couldn't really talk to my classmates and my peers about it because they were white and I wasn't sure they'd understand, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was personal. Very personal. Yeah, so, because it was also one of the only shows that actually, like, showed Black youth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because even those other yeah. shows, like, there was Urkel, but no one ever related to anybody on that show. And then, because it was just, like, too silly. And then it was, um, what was the other one? Oh, Family Matters. That's that's the Urkel show. So Family Matters, like, I don't think anyone really, I, I think people just, I don't know. I have, I'm making this up. But I know people watched Family Matters. But I love the Family Matters. So you love Family Matters. Okay, well then I take it back. Well, you, if Family Matters was part of the Friday night, it was like FNL. Like, I can't think of the, the acronym for it. No, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. And they had like a Friday night lineup, right? So you had Family Matters, Step by Step, Boy Meets World. And then it was like a couple other shows. And Family Matters was the only Black show like that aired for uh thank god uh for thank god it's friday tgif so it was kind of like you loved it by default because you know it was like the only black show out of all those shows in that run that like you could like really watch and they were from chicago right they were middle class and it was much sillier but it still was like a pivotal show like for for kids that were growing up in the 90s like you definitely can't live without family matters either. Well, then there was uh, the hanging with Mr. Cooper. That was B. See, that was the B squad show for me. Okay, and then there was remember Steve Harvey show. Of course, mm-hmm. and then, love and that they, show. And they were in the school, and um, rest in peace to Santana. He was, you know, uh, you yep. know. That was youth. That was like I would consider youth culture. And then, um, what was an, another show that had young people? Well, Moesha. Oh yeah, my Moesha, god, the Moesha show. Now the LL Cool. My brother show. and me. Well, remember the LL Cool J show in the house. In and, the house. But that one was was that nineties or did that come in the two thousands? That was like late nineties, early two thousands, because Carlton was on that show. I can't think of his character's name on that show. Oh, okay, okay. But that was definitely after Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. Now Bernie Mac show, was that in the nineties or did that come in the two thousands? Okay. So yeah, so Fresh Prince was a really important pivotal show for youth culture. It was like a current oh, yeah. youth culture show for black I mean they everybody said- watched it, you know. But yeah. for black youth, they, well, Will Smith. Show. They said Will Smith definitely was like the the trendsetter, like right, like he had on Jordans that came out six months before they dropped. Like 
he had on outfits and clothes and things that like the polo like the polo shirts like he made polo cool like the cross colors you know what i'm saying like matching the cross color polo shirts that match the jays you know like he was like the first person to like really do that you know with the with the with the snapbacks too so the snapback matched the the shirt and the shirt matched the shoes like he used to you know will was corny but man he could dress like his dress dressing was just out cold so people definitely still to this day like that's why they even like released like the fresh prince line and it's doing so well because the clothes were so like i think timeless you know mm-hmm. the wardrobe mm-hmm. all right so let's see we're gonna play a little more we're getting through it we're getting through it um <laughs> oh my okay, God. let's see thank you for uh sharing that with me so um he basically went, you know, him and on Viv, um, you know, they're they're going back and forth. They're in the studio. And so he was at the red table and he was talking to um, you know, the therapist inside, you know, the red table studio, and then, you know, he like, you know, he poured his heart out. And then um when he when when you see him back with on Viv, this is him uh you know back in that uh back in that like larger studio so respond to that yeah thank you for uh sharing that with me that's new information for me i i didn't know that i was 21 years old yeah and as asleep and unconscious as a human being could possibly be and it's it's so obvious looking with these eyes everything was a threat to me why was i not you the world i had a dream and i was a scared little boy the reason I got into the business, everything I was trying to do, like I was so driven by fear and jokes and comedy yeah. and all of that. Yeah, you were. Was how you were alive. Mm-hmm. I just swear, my twenty-one-year-old eyes could only see that I felt like you hated me. I hated what you did. I just hated what you did. You took my career away of 30 something years you just went too far when you were younger and And i know you always had to win i didn't realize the power of your words of my words and what that would you know how that would affect you and went way too far and said things to people that wouldn't know how to hold that information and then once you put it in then the machine grabs it then they start putting their own spin on it it was all way too far on my end when i look back now it's you know it's obvious that you were having a hard time i have children yeah i've been uh divorced and kind of a second marriage and same you know so it's like 
I can see now the level of pain and the level of struggle that it was for you just to show up every day. Mm-hmm. But you get tired of fighting. Yeah. I don't want to fight. You know that Tina Turner song? Yeah. I don't yes, really want to fight, really no fight no more. Time more. for letting go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My heart is mm-hmm. just tired. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired yeah. from all of this. 30 years of, of, mm-hmm. of okay. shunning yeah. closure, yeah. forgiveness. Yeah. Move forward. Stop them from all the chatter. Enough. Enough. I've served a 30-year life sentence. For sure. The person I want to be is someone who protects you, not someone that unleashes dogs on you. I appreciate that. I'm bitten to death. I could not do a 30-year celebration of this show and not celebrate you. Celebrate your contribution to this show and celebrate your contribution to my life. Okay, you. <laughs> so she hugs him real tight. She gives him like a real okay. tight, tight uh, hug. You still feel like my. Like I'm little? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're still my MV. still my MV. <laughs> It's so weird. You know, we've said such mm-hmm. hateful things about each other. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry, too. Yeah. We good. <laughs> we good. Okay, so she hugs him again. Right, baby boy. I appreciate you. You're always a baby boy. I'm always older than you. <laughs> so, I gotta admit, though, although I think that's, like, really beautiful and touching and it was awesome, part of me is, like, sitting over here kind of, like, with a side eye like they're both actors <laughs> mm-hmm. i wonder how much of that is like them just being really good actors and how much of that is real or or i don't know like you know i thought about that like what do you think deja um i mean i don't know i don't know i just don't know i have no thoughts it could have been real or fake but i feel like he never admitted anything i feel like he didn't admit anything right yeah what do you think is wait what'd you say deja i was just gonna say it was just like kind of pointless to watch because there was no They didn't get anything from him other than him saying that he was oblivious to the whole thing. And Janet really gave a lot of herself and he didn't have much to say other than I didn't know. That's what I was thinking, the same thing. And then in the the therapy sessions at the table, he was just giving excuses as to why he is I mean, the way he is, and I guess there wasn't anything else he could have done, but I don't know. I didn't get anything from that whole episode. (laughs) I was feeling the same way! (laughs) 
So y'all basically wanted the tea. Y'all wanted him to be like, yeah, I went in there and told Quincy Jones you was difficult as fuck and they needed to fire you and I hated your black ass. Yeah. And that they needed to bring in it. That's what y'all wanted. Yes. <laughs> no, that, not me. She did. She gave that on the floor. She gave it on the floor. <laughs> her blood is on the floor, yo. Oh, she the one that needed to. She the one that needed to get off though. Like I don't know. I feel where you coming from, but I mean, I just think it's unrealistic to think that we would we would have got it like that. But at the same time, she definitely gave more to him. She let him have it for sure. Mm-hmm. I just feel that that always. No, well, <laughs> let me not say always. I feel that I've seen that a lot with men. I feel that I've seen like just in general, right? Even through all the Me Too shit, like with everything, I feel like whenever a woman, you know, says like, and this is not a Me Too situation. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that just in 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 many instances I've seen where a woman could say how she, you know, a black woman could say how she felt harmed or, you know, in whatever way. And then if a man says like, you know, oh, you know, I'm sorry, then it just, it just, it, it has, I've seen where folks have just given that guy like so much credit in the past. Well, at least he apologized. At least he admitted it. And I'm thinking like, damn, like when black women, you know, commit what I would call like offenses, everyone jumps on them, you know? And then you know, if, if when, when dudes apologize, you know, it's just like, oh, well, you know, he, he went so far and came out of himself and apologized. I don't know. It just, it just has a feeling. Of, I still, it, there's some misogyny around it. I feel, do you know what I'm saying or no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just has a feeling like, okay, so Cause like even online, like I don't know if y'all saw a lot of the online comments or whatever, especially like on Twitter. You know how people talk, but it's like everyone's like, "Oh, I felt good. I cried. I got my healing. You know, this was so beautiful." And I'm telling you right now, every like me watching this entire episode, I was just getting triggered the whole time. And every single thing, I'm like, "Okay, I need you, Will, to make sure that she gets roles." And that she gets some checks. Like, yeah, he yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah, me too. 30 years? Brittany, you're 31. I know. Deja, you're not 30 yet. Like, that is more than you, you've been living on this earth. That he, <laughs> that's longer than you've been here. You know what I'm saying? And that's. No, but- it's pretty Y'all much wanna... your whole life, Brittany. So they should have did this on Ayana. Oh my God. I thought I was thinking like, okay, the things that went through my brain, like, okay. Part of me is like, I wish Ayana would have come on. But then another part of me was like, this show would have taken a whole nother direction if Ayana would have come on because she'd have been cursing him out. You ever watch her show? Yeah, I, I, that's why I mentioned it. I literally, <laughs> my, friend, my friend that my friend that's married told me that her and her husband watch shows, and through watching her shows, they kind of go through their own like therapy. Wow. And I I I've never have watched it, so I like binge watch 
like tons and tons of YouTube videos just like past week. And it was very therapeutic because it's so real. And you see how like so many celebrities, right? Like you're talking about like Will, they are afraid to separate their their image and their ego from who they really are. And then they like kind of like bark back at her style of therapy and then make it look like she doesn't know what she's doing. But she is amazing because she's able to strip through people's image. And like the people who aren't ready for her style of therapy are the people who are like hugging onto it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Very good. I love that show. We should dissect one before it goes off the air. But this is yeah. the thing. Ayanla, now this therapist here, she did the same like Ayanla tactics in a way. But I I can't front. I also feel like now maybe he was seeing this therapist before. I don't know where she came from. But I was thinking like, did he get an Indian therapist because of Kamala? <laughs> because of Kamala Harris? No, this is the lady. No, that's she's the red table therapist. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? What? <laughs> I was like, man, I was thinking like, damn, that's good PR. <laughs> that's a good marketing strategy. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them, but I was thinking like I was thinking it was a part of their marketing. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I, was, I did. I kept thinking like, huh? Did they get her because of Kamala? But okay, well, yeah. Clearly, I, I've never seen the therapist on the red table. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> I, I I haven't watched that many. I've only watched like a couple. I watched like one with Willow, and I watched that one with um her with the uh Will's other child, his ex wife, and the other child's mother. And I watched the one with Gabrielle Union. That was the only. Those are the three Red Table talks I've seen. Okay, let me play some more. I need my own Red Table talk. <laughs> I forgot I said that. There was something that really hit me there mm-hmm. is that I see the hurt of two people there, mm-hmm. okay? But you didn't defend yourself. You you definitely said, listen, this was the story. I, I was young, but you kept bringing it back to, and I said hurtful things. Mm-hmm. You kept acknowledging mm-hmm. your role in it instead of just selling your narrative, right? Because otherwise it becomes two feuding narratives. Yes, absolutely. I'm not arrogant enough to think that my actions and behavior were perfect. Yes, correct. My correct. actions and behavior were flawed and hurtful. Probably there's nobody on earth that would say I hurt them that bad. And so that the idea of the dragon, did you even know you had that dragon in you at 21? No recognition of that dynamic whatsoever. Mm-hmm. At 21, I was trying to be the biggest star in the world. Mm. Right. Right? I was doing an album, a movie, and the TV show every year. Why did you want to be the biggest star in the world? Um, the same little boy. That's, that's what that I was same, That mm-hmm. same thing. It was like, I had, a, I had a girlfriend who had cheated on me mm-hmm. right before that, and 
everything in my creation and design mm -hmm. of Will Smith was to be loved and to be safe. Right. See, that's it. Because you, I asked you, were you hurt by Janet all yeah. those years ago? And you went right to, I was threatened. I was threatened. Yeah, I felt like. You know, and, and I wonder how much for you threatened and hurt are experienced the same way. Yeah. When I feel it in my body, my, my father was military. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I don't know if, if, if it's my actual constitution or if it's learned, but safety is first. And safety also extends to money. Mm, interesting. Why is that? Well, if you have money... Um, in my 21 year old mind yeah yeah women won't cheat on you oh okay so it's one more place to yeah. you're trying to find all these outside ways to protect okay august alcina and he's and isn't will like a gajillionaire i don't know it's like it's so interesting like we are talking about his 21 year old self but i'm like okay to me when i'm listening i'm like okay well they're trying to go through and, and like you said, Deja, just like make excuses for like, you know, his behavior or whatever. But I don't know. I really wish like that's cool that they went back that far to be like, yeah, like that triggered me, you know, my childhood traumas and this kind of thing. But I feel like even that was pretty surface level. I feel like, you know, they should have got more to like a look i understand that that stuff is like a root cause but it seems as though there was something else that was possibly going on and i think i think there was also a combination of will was being manipulated as well um and that and i feel like he's not naming that but i also feel he was manipulated because he he did you know have that level of control and at the same time he also kind of didn't right because he also you know was you now know now we're talking was now also talking. part of this this part of like you know these producers quincy jones you know yeah. where's benny medina like there's all these other characters and i know we talking about will and this does center on will but i think also too we could go to the childhood traumas and all that and 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 yeah it's good for him to have a personal therapy but i'm saying to really really heal me personally i think to really heal that situation with janet like i need to see quincy jones come to the table you know what period, I'm saying? period period at the end of the day will was 21 they gave him that type of power because they really liked him they really really liked him and they pedestal him because we all know the the chemistry and equation behind when people with power pedestal a certain being and give them power right mm -hmm. it's it's almost like a it's almost like a puppet move to do someone like that so will wasn't cutting the checks at the end of the day to your point if quincy producers and other grown-ass people that were older than her would have said listen we are doing this this show is bigger than all of us this is an amazing show we need to sit y'all down and we need to figure this out Instead, Will probably like went to them, told him that she was a pain, and then they went to silence her. So to me, Will is standing up and 
taking the brunt of some of the hit that Quincy Jones and all these other people, grown as men, should be taking the brunt for. You know, so you know. Oh, were you gonna say something, Deja? Mm-mm. Yeah, and also too, I think you know, in that when she said, "Oh yeah, they told me that you said this," they told me that you said that. They also threw him under the bus because you know they're going to, they're going to her saying, "Oh yeah, this is what Will said. Will said this and that." But at the end of the day, you know, yeah, he's he was a spoiled kid or whatever. But you know, I don't know. You know how this business works. Yes, know? I do. And I feel as if I feel as if they felt threatened by her more so than Will did, and that's what makes it even more because they're supposed to be mentoring him and showing him no one should when you're in this position of power, no one should make you feel less than. And they didn't step in to teach and show him the right way to handle that. And I feel as if I could see other sides of it as well, right? I could see she she brings it up that she brought a lot of her pain and things that she was dealing with outside of work to work. She opens up about that. But it just would have been interesting to see, like you said, Quincy Jones and other people that dictated her leaving that show, the people that offered her that deal sit and hear get hear her mouthful as well you know also too the invisible the invisible culprit the white people the white boys the jewish cats that that produce the show that really run the show true because they're really the ones that that will bring in quincy jones and tell him well i don't think this woman's working i think you know she she's not really what we're looking for you know, you know, she does. She doesn't really work for the show. So I could totally see like a Quincy Jones being, you know, uh, having to succumb to those people. You know what I'm saying? The studio and yeah. you know the bankroll. And I, I could see those decisions actually coming from that level, and them being like, "Oh, well, we have to make Will happy because he's the star." You know, meanwhile, Will don't really, really, really control nothing for real, for real. You know, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting. Um, But yeah, I guess he just takes the hit. I mean, it is good television to have this sort of reconciliation. This is like good reality TV. Like, I guess this is the next phase of reality TV is healing reality TV. Yes. With the Ayanla, we should get us a healing. We could do us a healing table. We're gonna do us the um, <laughs> the green table. The first episode is gonna be Brittany explaining how hurtful it is when Piper bullies her. Oh, Brittany, do you understand that I was bullied? As a <laughs> do you understand? Now, now we get it. Do you understand? I'm replicating what would what happened to me. All right, I got that. Asia told me that I'd be bullying. Um, Brittany, and you know what? Today is where it stops. Oh my god, anyway, (laughs) today is the first day of the future. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Will. 
okay, let me play some more. So they're back at the red table now. With uh, I mean, Will's back at the table with the um red th- with with the red therapist with the with the therapist. Check <laughs> myself, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm rich and if I'm famous mm-hmm. and if I'm the mm-hmm. best, then. Mommy and daddy won't be mad. Interesting, okay. Everybody will be safe Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I can't get hurt. Okay, so you now understand that to be a key element of your psychology. Remember this, Mm -hmm. Will. Safety is the most elemental need a human Mm -hmm. being has other than food, air, and water. Okay, we need safety. Mm -hmm. You got robbed of some of that. That's not how a child's life should be. Mm -hmm. Safety should be built into the model. That kind of of disapproval is the central greatest pain in my life and and from from women gotcha female disapproval mm-hmm. because i think because of my dynamic with my mother mm-hmm. is you know as a little boy my mm-hmm. my father beat my mother mm-hmm. and i couldn't protect her right right Female disapproval is in like unbearable and my body can't handle it. Well, I'm hearing that female disapproval is the loss of love. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's catastrophic, right? What in your life continues to trigger that unsafe feeling? Because that's your wound, Will. That's your wound. That is absolutely my my central wound. In the, the last three years, I've been seeing it and confronting it more uh effectively Mm -hmm. my relationship with willow has been a major Mm -hmm. part of healing willows the only female relationship i've ever had that i didn't mess up Hmm. that's beautiful i mean to feel that about your daughter right and i'm sure there are aspects from willow's point of view she would say no you messed some stuff up there you know but in my mind Mm-hmm. Um, I did right by her. Okay. My relationship with Jada. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Has your relationship with Jada triggered that lack of safety where you feel like you had to go into that, that protective oh, mode? Oh, yeah, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, do you still have this need to get Jada's approval? Even this house mm-hmm. is called Her Lake. Ah, right? interesting. Why did you name it that? Because I wanted it to be a gift to Jada for mm. her approval. Mm-hmm. Of course, that was a psychological crash and burn also. It always is. <laughs> always is. You know. Success is a suit of armor. We yes, put it right, on to protect exactly. ourselves you know. from ourselves and from the world. Because really right. the win would be if this house was called Our Lake. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. And, and what I have realized the real thing that everybody is looking for mm-hmm. is the experience of love. Mm-hmm. And that can be in any house and however right. much money and all of that, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Because as you say that and you talk mm-hmm. about money and, you know, a lot of people thinking like, oh, if I could only give them the right gift, if I could show yeah. my old man I made it, whatever it is. But I, I have you know, first-hand comprehension Mm -hmm. that there's not enough money to Mm -hmm. make your relationship go right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) You do get that. Yeah. Okay. But you remember... Okay. Um, So, just wanted to... Safety's an inside game. Okay, so with that, 
Um, did y'all see the Iyanla when they had when she when there was the um the mother and there was a mother and father and the father was a bit a bit like verbally abusive to the mother and there were like two daughters and then the one daughter um like the mother it used to be overweight and then you know she had lost the weight and then um the youngest daughter was overweight and then um Iyanla now I thought that was like to me a bit crossing the line but Iyanla had told the daughter that she felt that she had put on that weight to feel safety to feel safe and that a lot of times when people put on weight it's because they they need a bit more protection on their physical body and they want to feel safer and um I've read that before, but I don't not disagree with that. Yeah, I've read, I've yeah, I've read that before, and I'm thinking when he says like his dad was military, and like safety, you know, is something that's like everything is safety first, and equates that with money. I feel like a lot of black people, uh, kind of equate money with safety. A hundred percent. You know, or equate like say or 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 are taught like safety first i feel like that i feel like a lot of black people i mean i may and she said it's a base thing right like i've never lived in a white family so i'm not sure what they discuss in their homes but i know you know a, a lot of in a lot of you know uh black homes it uh, people are taught safety first you know and and that safety means money and you know so i don't know i i think as i'm listening you know i i can see the destructiveness with the whole like his dad being abusive to the mom and even putting his hands on her and stuff like that but um the thing about like you know when she said okay well safety is just as much of a base need as like water or air or whatever um yeah, so with that, if safety is as much a base need as like water, air, or whatever, and as they make, right, like all the things that we need, you know, cost money. And so, yeah, then money does become, right, like a way, like having more money does actually in the reality become a way that people can create more safety for themselves. So I don't know. What do y'all think? Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I think I think so as well. Me and my mom had a talk the other day about um, the things that affect people and how they, you know, how they exhibit it outwardly. And I think everybody has a little bit of like, everyone is different because we all have our own set of experiences. And I think environment has, you know, depending on the person, your environment can play more of a impact than you know the things that you experience and then i think some people sometimes the things you experience have a more of a stronger impact um on than your environment so just depending on your setup and you know how your life lays out um i think it it, it can have a contribution to how you perceive safety you know what i mean um and i do think that a lot of us 
cling on to things, whether it be our image, uh, whether it be what we do for a living, whether, you know, how we choose to live our lifestyles, sexually, uh, you know, food-wise, we we can run to for safety. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's a, I think that's a human thing. But then when you dial it, or you, you know, dial the onion back for Black culture, you see a lot of, you know, a lot of things like materialism, you know, a lot of different things that we cling to for safety, you know, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just interesting that, I mean, just to go even into, like, Will Smith, when, you know, talk about the level of his success, he... I'm not sure about at this particular moment, but there was a good, I don't know, maybe decade where he was one of the top, you know, billable, um, you know, entertainer, well, actors, right, in the acting world. Um, I think it was like at least a good decade, you know? He had the Men in Black series. He had, what's the one with him and... Um, Martin Lawrence, that little se- Bad Boys series. He had, um, you know, the 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 these different sci-fi movies. You know, um, uh, and I just think that, you know, and and then all his other roles, right? Like, uh, you know, Pursuit of Happiness, and just all, you know, he started getting more serious roles. He played Ali, like, you know. So there's all these different. Um, you know, incredible films that he, you know, was just bringing different layers. You know what I'm saying? He got a, he got a chance to, you know, play all these in, just different types of roles, and he broke barriers for black men in cinema. You know what I mean? And um, but I'd say he broke those barriers uh, initially as an individual, but I, I think like over time, you know that there that folks that have grown up seeing you know a will smith as a black man in like a leading role like that's a huge feat in terms of you know a milestone right historically for black folks and that's a huge success and so it's just interesting that these that with many quote-unquote successful and talented people that these levels of trauma are actually the the catalyst for them to be, you know, wildly successful in their lives. And that that level of um, his drive to run away from, right, uh, this aspect of his past or his family history or experience to create something new drove him to the, the you know, the success that he had, you know, in his movie career. And yeah. So, um, yeah, because we have a lot of great films that, you know, Will Smith has been a part of. His catalog is, is very serious, you know, and, um, I really, I really do hope, you know, that, um, people watching this, like, that are in the industry, I really do hope that watching this makes, has some impact and on, younger people that will also be our you know creators of the future but i also hope that it has an impact on people who were involved in this whole you know shenanigans but you know people close to them but just 
people in the industry to see, you know, like how to do stuff different because of the level of damage that this stuff can cause. You know what I mean? I'm still, I'm still stuck on the 30 years that her career was just like halted, you know, because she was, it, it, she was blackballed. Like he blackballed her from the industry. So I don't know, but um, I'm going to just play a little bit more. You, you know, Jada can't make you feel safe. Lula exactly. can't make it. This is it. It has yeah. to be your sense of safety. There's a point at which you got to put the load down. You mm -hmm. know, like you have to say, I understand the, where the wounds come from. Mm -hmm. Now the wounds are mine. So yeah. you let go. In some ways, you sort of start letting go of dad. You start letting mm -hmm. go of mom, and you realize that these become triggers. Yeah. But that you are the only person who can regulate those Absolutely. those feelings. That's it. Here's the thing. Most people's childhood wounds mm -hmm. is that they weren't listened Listen to. to. Absolutely. You got to this place where you could listen. A 30-year journey mm -hmm. to where you could finally listen. You be the mm -hmm. psychologist for a minute. Mm -hmm. What do you think are the three most important parts of listening? Um, I think the, the major, major part is let them complete mm -hmm. their story. Mm -hmm. No debate. There's no D in love. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. No debate. No. Mm -hmm. You're just going to listen mm -hmm. thoroughly to what their story is. It seems really simple, but mm -hmm. it's huge. You've mm -hmm. got to ask questions about the other person's story. Mm -hmm. I would say that's number one. And uh, the thing that Jada and I have that is really magical is after they tell you the story, it's still not your turn. Repeat it back. Mm. That's fantastic. Yes. And then validate the part that's true. Wow. That must be that must feel terrible. Mm -hmm. I get, I understand. And it's just really about never gaslighting someone else's story. Their story is their story. It's real. It's serving a function for Absolutely. them. Let them have it. Yeah. Let them share it. You can receive it. Yeah. It's not a threat to you. And if it is a threat to you, then you need to go do get you and get your house in order. Exactly. That is so real. I'm actually about to say something very idiotic. I was going to say, are you familiar with Muhammad Ali? Of course you are. No, I, sorry about that. I have to do this with my patients. And I was like, you're familiar with Muhammad Ali? Okay, you're familiar with Muhammad Ali. Girl, you, that man, you have no idea yeah, just I Yes, you are, sir. So he knew how to take a punch. punch. Yeah, absolutely. What you did with Janet was you took psychological punches mm -hmm. one after the other. Okay, mm -hmm. that capacity was something Ali had to cultivate, right? Yep, Lean back yep. on the ropes. And in some ways that almost that would exhaust his opponent. But yep. in this case, it yep. helped her release her pain. Yep. But we know how Ali trained. Mm -hmm. I need to know how Will Smith trained uh -huh. to learn how to take a psychological punch. So the first thing um, is recognizing that the perception of it as a punch is not real. Okay. Good for you, because that's that's already you know you already got a PhD right there. Right, yeah. Like that's it's big. Like what's actually happening is someone you care about is hurt, mm -hmm. and they're trying to figure out how to feel better. Mm -hmm. A person has been injured, and they're desperately seeking a, some hint of loving kindness, mm -hmm. right? So. There was no punching actually happening. Mm -hmm. Okay, good for you. 
And the second part is the recognition that it's not my turn yet. Right. This is Janet's turn. That's the hard part for people because Janet asks you why, you mm -hmm. know, she asked you for your why. And instead of using that as an opening mm -hmm. to talk about, I was a kid, I was this, I was that, whatever. You didn't do that. You sent it back to her. I'm holding space here for you. I want you to share. I want to hear from you. I want to understand. I've learned through marriage counseling, through parenting, through thousands of hours of therapy. The other person always goes first. Right. Okay. Seek first to understand mm -hmm. and then to be understood. Mm -hmm. And I made my little my little phrase. Love is is L.U.V. Listen, understand, mm -hmm. validate the parts that you agree with. Mm -hmm. you're, de you're dead. If, if you try to go first when someone's in um, an emotional space, so. I have trained myself and I have the firm belief that you have to be able to withstand someone else's truth. That's the punch. Yes, absolutely. And the key there is that when you can hold space and bear witness mm -hmm. to less hurt people yes, are going back out into the world absolutely. and less likely to do more damage themselves. Absolutely. So that's generally the episode. They did a little more small talk after that, but that's more or less the episode. But I'm really glad that they ended in that kind of way. And I'm actually really glad that, you know, we get a chance to see a black man be vulnerable in this way. Um, and, uh, and I really love the advice portion of what they did. And especially with this listening thing and that they broke down, like, what does listening actually look like like what do you what does it what do you do like what are the instructions for listening and i think that that's really important i think it's important for men but i also think but i've also encountered some women who need that lesson as well but um but i feel like it that that that, that this show for me i feel was a really important show that i think all men should see but definitely anybody that has that kind of level of, you know, ego or, or, you know, that type of personality, I feel this, this could possibly be like a way for them to like peek into, you know, themselves to see how to change that. So I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? The, the advice portion of, um, of, or the ending of this show? Uh, I feel as if it was it was it was good. I wasn't expecting him to do it like a a red a red table after the reunion aired. I was kind of not shocked, but kind of surprised that he did a show, kind of giving a further uh, perspective. I think he feel as if because he did a lot of listening, he needed to kind of do more talking, and that's why he maybe did it. But overall, I thought mm -hmm. it was. No, it was good. That's a good point, Brittany. What what do you have any like thoughts about it, Deja? No, still. I just don't get what the point of the whole thing was, but Brittany made a good she had a good one. That maybe he just needed to get his side out. 
Mm. Yeah, I like I like how you broke that down, Brittany. Like you said, <laughs> you said he did enough <laughs> listening. You feel like he needed to do some talking. Yeah. I mean, Will taking two L's, the crying Will at, after the August Alstina, and then getting cussed out by Jenny. <laughs> I'm joking, but <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, and it, like I said, online, <laughs> the majority of the online comments were people saying, oh, you know, I cried. It was very healing. I'm glad they did this. Like, that was really powerful. This needed to happen. And so I think in general, this was really, really good. I love what I do love about it is the fact that they showed the how. I think that, that showing that how to me um was really worth all the other stuff that we just watched like just that little bit of advice because even on the iyanla they always get to that point where in the therapy session where it's like okay just hear them just hear them and then people get all triggered and it's like well just listen to what they're saying and um and even like the explanation of like what does it mean to listen what does listening look like like instructions on how to listen I think those are, I think that's really important for like any relationship, but yeah, I feel you Deja, like there is an element, I can't front to like all of this that really has a feeling like he did the red table talk because he knew it'd be controversial to promote folks watching the reunion, you know, like a, a part of, part of me has that kind of feeling too. And I still say he needs to give her her reparations. Like she needs to be getting a check for 30 years from him mm -hmm. or, or, or he needs to make sure that she gets some type of check for the next 30 years. I don't know. Like maybe I'm being a bit too like, you know, punitive, but I just feel like, damn, it'd be different if she was like, it, it'd be, I mean, it wouldn't be different, but I could see how if he, you know, would feel different if if she just was like, well, I wasn't able because I just was emotionally not able to do stuff for 30 years, even though I think he would still owe her. But I think there's something different about him blackballing her and the industry blackballing her and her not being able to work for 30 years because there was an actual, you know what I'm saying? Like, there was actually like, you know, uh, there, like that, there was like you know by by her being actually blackballed by him, I just feel that she, you know, should be getting a check from him. Do you know, or or and not just him, but like he needs to use some of that power that he still has left to make sure that you know she's getting a decent check from a few people. I don't know. Like, what do y'all think about that? I think we've been saying that, yeah. Like, she definitely deserves reparations, for sure. Like, we, like, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. So, okay, so now having watched that or listened to, like, that whole thing, like, what are your, like, what are your thoughts coming on? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Pepper, I feel like I like, like uh, like we all been saying that it's 
I thought it was cool. I didn't have anything wrong against it. I think it was his perspective. I mean, at this point, I'm I'm not signing myself up to uh, the world to get therapy. I'm just not doing it. That's just how I'm built. Like I'm I'm closed in. I handle I do handle my situations. I handle my issues. Any wrongdoings I feel like I've done, I I try to take them and face them directly. And um vice versa. If somebody wants to 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 uh have a conversation with me, I'm willing to do that. I love I can't I can't sleep when there's something that's like on my consciousness that I need to take care of like so I I, tr- I definitely like to 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 um seek therapy when it comes to reconciling with people but to do it in front of other people that's a whole nother level right like so entertainment or no entertainment like I'm that's just not I'm not built for that so for anybody who does it and even if it's just for entertainment like more power to them for sure and that's how I feel about it what? My phone is gonna die. My phone is gonna die. I'm just letting y'all know. Okay. okay. And then what, what's your takeaway, Deja? Hmm. I said, what's your takeaway? Same. To just, I don't know. He needs to pay her and needs to do better in the future with how he treats and regards people. Hmm. I feel you. Well, Brittany says her phone is gonna die. We've been on we've been on the show for like a minute. We'll probably wrap up. But hey, Brittany, do you have any last words before your phone goes out? Um, I would just say uh, everybody be safe. Uh, like we've been saying, wash your hands, uh, take precautions. Um, don't know if we'll speak to you guys before. Um the given holiday of Thanksgiving, if you celebrate it or look at it that way. Um, I definitely do take the day because I have it off to eat good, <laughs> but it doesn't go further <laughs> than that. But um, I hope everybody that has an extended weekend enjoys it and um, takes the time to, you know, things, you know, we're starting moving back fast paced um, a few weeks ago, even through the summer. So I'm hoping everybody's just taking some time out and and doing their own therapy and doing their own healing. I think it's very important to reconcile in general. Um, And I think we always talk about the uh, intention. So if you're gonna reconcile, you have some things that you need to get off your chest and some therapy you need to do, uh, just be sure that you're being intentional about it and, and trying to get the most out of it, even if it hurts to do it. Thank you. And what about you, Deja? Any parting words? No, I can't top what Brittany just said. I'll leave it there. Okay. Well, um, yeah, for me, um, you know, I think therapy is a good thing. If folks, uh, you know, want to get therapy, I know in this COVID era, it might be a bit uh, terrifying. So, you know, folks know that they could go on to telehealth always and you know find a great therapist i know that i've seen online there's a lot of new um types of therapy um and healing but i'm a fan of therapy i think it works i've seen it work i've experienced it working um this new genre that it looks like is being created of like this transparent 
you know, uh, therapy, you know, it's interesting. Um, definitely want to support people to seek out any, you know, to take care of your mental health. And like, you know, we know the brain is a muscle and, you know, you could strain a muscle, you could hurt a muscle, you know, your heart, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it gets broken, you know, and we're human beings. And so, yeah, sometimes we, we, we could benefit from the support of pe professional people who learn how to deal with the brain and deal with the heart and deal and help folks, you know, get to a level of healing. So anyway, just want to put that out there. No, no shame, no stigma. You know what I'm saying? Get your healing. But yeah, this was interesting to watch. Um, and you know what I'm saying? It's on Facebook, which is interesting. Facebook, I learned that Facebook has a whole TV network. So that's a whole nother um, avenue that people can, you know, looks like get your projects up on. So, you know, investigate that. But this has been the Piper Carter podcast. This is episode number 97. Once again, just want to remind you that we're creeping up on our 100th episode and we still need to meet and discuss what we're going to do about that, but look forward to the 100th episode. So, you know, let your friends know that tune in because it's going to be pretty fun. We're on Detroit is different listening to the Piper Carter podcast. So connect with us on DetroitIsDifferent.net and listen to all of the other podcasts that are on there. And then on social media, definitely want to hit us up on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and we have a Facebook group and also on Instagram, pc.podcast. So hit us up, give us a message. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what other types of topics you want us to talk about. And everyone have a great week. Peace. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify.